Hi everyone, this is Evie Jane, and today I'm actually get to interview my best friend. So she's actually in Portugal, as always.、Um, Portugal is her home, and normally between me and her, we never know where we at at this time because we be <laughs> WhatsApp group、um, on WhatsApp, and then I would not know where she's at. And she wouldn't know what I am. So、um, one thing about us, we connect, is because that it doesn't matter where we are, anywhere in the world, we are always connected. We always know what's going on, and we can always call each other. So I have the honor to finally track her down. <laughs> she being Portugal for this for the summer because that's where her family live, abroad. And Brava is also a board member on a nonprofit raised by a village, and、um, it's just she's just a wonderful, wonderful girlfriend and woman, and very inspirational for many other.、Um, I can introduce her all day long because she's my best friend, but I really want the audience to get to know her and who she is. So, good morning, Brava. <laughs> Morning, Evie. What a beautiful introduction. Thank you so much. I feel very honored. Oh, how are you? I'm good. You know, I love you. So, I see your career do your life, and I met you when you moved out here.、Um, tell us when did you move out here, and what made you decide to move out here? Well.、Um... I it was for professional reasons that I moved to LA. I was born in Portugal. I was raised in Portugal. I lived there until I was seventeen. Then I left to university abroad, and then it was later uh, that uh, because of a circumstance、um, with my voice that I wanted to work at in LA, and my job actually. Um, was only allowed to be done in LA without having to travel, so that I could conciliate both. I would have to move to LA, so I managed to to be、uh, sent by the TV station I was working at to Los Angeles, and that's、um, and that's how it happened. So when you say you went abroad、um, when you were seventeen, would you go? So when when I was seventeen, I say again. It's not in U.S. Did you what kind? No. Of, okay. No. So、um, I was.、Uh, so when I was. So I. I was born in Portugal. Lived there my whole life until I was seventeen, and then at seventeen years old, I moved to London to the University of London, and、um, studied journalism and audiovisual production. In London, between London and Paris,、mm-hmm. and that's what I've done. And this was before I I went to Los Angeles. So、um, yeah, I was supposed to study law. That was every. That's what we all thought. I got into law school、um, in Portugal, in Porto.、Oh、God, I didn't even know that about you, Barbara. And then we like supposed to be best friends.、Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, at the time when I was living in Portugal, and then had to choose around sixteen which kind of area of study I would go to, I chose humanities. And at the time, humanities were, you know, the the degree you would take it would be law because it would give you a lot of options. You know, it was the safest option. And I just, for some reason, 
I was already very connected to the arts. I was already working in a ballet contemporary company. I was very connected to, I was doing my music conservatory. And for some reason, the both didn't connect very well with me because other, another reason was that uh, someone told me that if I had studied law in Portugal, I would be very constricted to the to the Portugal territory because I would be studying and could only work there. Um, so I decided, well, I, I wanted to move um, beyond borders, so to speak. Uh, since I was 11, I used to go to this summer camps in, in the UK, all around the UK. And I used to have a blast. And for some reason, I wanted to replicate that in my everyday life in university. And so without my parents knowing. You're showing your early age that you are traveling. So this is not. Yes. Yeah. So my, my, whenever my parents wanted to me to get something done or to get good grades or good this or good that, they would say, well, we, we, you won't go to, to, to the UK this summer if this doesn't happen. And so it would happen because it was my dream. It was always, I was always looking forward um, to going to summer camp in the UK. And I always met people from all over the world. So this was since a very young age, since I was 11. And it was a blast. And I knew I wanted to go. And in those interactions with other people, with other foreigners, I realized I also had a chance to study abroad during university time. And why postpone it? Why not just go after high school? Why only go for the master's or the PhD or the job? Why not just do it straight away? Mm -hmm. So law was not an option to do that. So Mm -hmm. That was a good question. Why not? You know, you, you, it's like, why limit yourself? And then you, if you know that's what you love, why limit yourself? Yes. Yeah, but I was, I was very young and, you know, I was 16 at the time when I had to decide this. And, but still, I had no help. My parents really were focused on me studying law and then you can do whatever you want. So that was the kind of conversation that was going around the house. They wanted me to have a base, which I totally understand and it made sense. But for some reason, I just wanted to go at that time already. So then I went and so then I, I decided to to Google and uh, and decide to, to start um, understanding how I could do this. And I, I remember I went to the British Council in Porto mm -hmm. and spoke with a woman that gave me a huge. At the time, the Internet was not a thing, by the way. So there was a, a huge book that she would give me with all the universities. So I had to do it and I applied mm -hmm. and and I got in and I couldn't believe it. I got in my first choice. Uh, so I was very happy and I got in law as well. And there was a moment I really had to decide because I didn't want to take the the space for anyone not to go to the, to law university in Portugal. And I said, well, I'm just going to drop it. And it was, there was a bit of a commotion at home because nobody was expecting this, but then, and then I went, and then I went with the support of, um, of my family after a few, you know, um, interesting conversations, but uh, I decided to go and it was fantastic. And I remember I was one of the latest people to uh, decide. Because... Um, because of family, because you yeah, have because all this, I was one of the latest people to apply for accommodation and uh, all of that. And I left it, you know, to the latest, to the later stages. And I remember 
remember I got the worst room in my um, accommodation, student accommodation. And I remember because I was still a minor, my father had to go with me. And I remember he looked at that room and he said, Barbara, if you want to leave, you can leave. It's not okay. Bad. It was not bad. <laughs> it was that bad. It was six square meters. I don't know feet, uh, uh, to be honest, but it was six square meters. It was just pretty small. And then there was a little window with some emergency stairs. So you couldn't even really open the window because there were some emergency stairs uh, cutting the window. So wow. it was interesting. But it's funny because that's when I realized, you know, you really don't need much to be happy because I was there with a purpose. I was there because I wanted. So there was a big intention be behind that move. And I was so motivated and happy that I love the, the wait, hold on. I love the fact you just point out something very meaningful. In such a young age, when you're 17, you realize already where most of us still trying to figure that out is that you don't need much to be happy. And then I don't know if anybody, they should look at your Instagram because if they look at your Instagram, you travel everywhere and you have the fancy, you know, life, the theater, the opera, the hotel, but you also have very, very low key, just like very simple, middle of nowhere in Mexico somewhere or whatever the country you are in. So <laughs> like sleeping on a train in India, right? Yeah. 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 I, I normally, as, as a joke, I used to say, if I, if I were a car, I would have been an SUV because I can just go uh, one way or the other, you know, all the terrain is okay. It's, it's really doesn't matter. Um, and it's true. It's such a young age because you realize you don't need much to be happy. So you know, I think what you need is the uh, the inside motivation to do something that really gives you joy. And and that was at the time my joy. I wanted I was very interesting in widening my horizons, in meeting new people, in uh, speaking better English. I wanted to learn. I was very eager and be creative. And, and I think that if I had studied law in Portugal, the country I had always been at, I mean, it would have been a totally different story. And to have gone at such a young age to the UK at that time, and, and, and mind you, at that time, there was no uh, social media, there is no, um, you know, these apps that really allow you to communicate easily with everyone. I, I remember I called my parents once a week in a coin phone, so it was a very different situation and flights were very expensive. So everything was, you know, a big to do. It was not like today. Actually, funny enough, I think that going to London, which is much closer than going to Los Angeles from Portugal, it yeah. was easier for me the move to Los Angeles. I felt it less than to London, even though we have you know, bigger time differences, uh, an ocean in between. But it was harder because the times were really different. Times yeah. were really different. So it was interesting to go away and then suddenly disconnect. But I think I, at the time, which is actually a blessing, I mean, that that didn't happen always in my life. Um, but I think that when you really know that you want to do something, it's very hard. It's very hard. It's not easy to know that that thing that you really want to do but at that time I really knew that's what I wanted to do and so that's why I think it 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 
it was fluid. It went well, it was fun. Uh-huh. And it was something that I really, really cherish. More than that, more you, you, because you know what you really wanted, that actually overcome your fear. And I mean, going to a country and not seeing your mom and dad as often or communicate because you can only call them once a week. Yeah. As a 17 year old girl, that's very impressive. And stay in this really crappy room, I guess. So, yes, scared, I'd be like, okay, I want to go home. Especially if my dad said, you know, if you wanted to leave, we can leave. You <laughs> decided to stay. Yeah. I really wanted to stay. And I remember I had never seen my father cry. And that was the day he left. Uh, that's because he had to take me uh, to the university to sign a release form because I was underage. I was a minor. But when he left, I he, I saw him cry for the first time. Mm-hmm. And I did cry as well because, you know, of course. Uh, the, but even that emotion, even those tears is something I remember with joy. It meant we felt. It meant, you know, we were there for each other. It meant we meant something for each other. I, I, need so, to, I need to tell this to the audience because you haven't met your dad, I did. <laughs> and it's such a straight lace, you know, he's an accountant, he's very like- He's, a, he's, an, no, he's not an accountant, he's, okay. he's, an, econo- he's an economist. Economist. And, yes, and then, um, yeah, he's very, uh, he's a very old school, you're right. So my father is a very old school, person and uh extremely intelligent yes uh, great career as an economist but really never I believe wanted me to leave and do something that was not as classical or as formal as how what it had done you know so that's what I was gonna say I had to explain that to the audience because you haven't met your dad and I did so that was a big deal for him also. <laughs> so, Oh, oh, absolutely. And I actually think that our relationship also changed a lot with that at that time. You know, when, when I think that when a child does something that it's unexpected for the parent, the parent also starts, oh, this can happen. So let me take more advantage of the time we spent together, for example. And I think actually our relationship got better after that. And you're the first child, you're the oldest, right? Because you have one younger brother. So for them, it was definitely, it was a big change, big perspective for them. And your parent adores you. You have the best loving parents. I mean, they're like my parents from, they're like my Portuguese parents. That's why I tell people all the time. (laughs) I mean, to see your dad like worry about you, it's like, you know, you can leave (laughs) if you want to. Yes. He said, it's, you don't need to stay. You know, you can leave. <laughs> that, I can only imagine how he felt at that moment. So, yeah. Yeah, it was it was interesting. But now we laugh about it. Thankfully, it went well. And then how does that make you... So, so is that the only abroad that you went? And no, you went to another country. You went to Paris, right? Then I got a scholarship to go to Paris and I decided to go. And again, my father said, what are you doing? You have to change bank accounts. You have to change. <laughs> oh, I mean, it was, and again, I was so excited to go to Paris for my second year of university. And I did. And it was fabulous. It was actually much, much better than 
than uh, I expected. It was so interesting because in Paris, I also realized that the space you're in, right? The city you're in really influences what you enhance in yourself or not. And so I felt a very different person in Paris than I, than I had felt in London. I don't know, even the way I dress, the thing, my interests. I remember that in Paris, I was much more, um, I dressed much more classically, but then in, in London, I was much more bohemian. But then in, in Paris, uh, next to where I used to live, there was a little cinema where every Friday, the director or someone connected to the movie would talk and have a Q&A after the movie. And that it's funny because that kind of influenced what I kind of became later. But I really enjoyed it. Then I, I reconnected very much to the performing arts in Paris, which I hadn't in London. In London, it was more, you know, the, that underground culture of the DJs and 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 all of that. And in Paris, it was again. It, I got in touch very much with the with the the. I started having opera lessons again and ballet lessons again. And there was this little yes, activity. You're an opera singer. So I thought you went to London for opera, but no, no. It was for for journalism and cinema. Uh, that was my degree. So that's what I did. And then and then when I went to Paris for the same degree, I I kind of, oh my God, all of this was, you know, is still here and I like it. And then in Paris, there is a big, a big um, a performing arts culture there. And it's really a job and people take it seriously and people respect it a lot. Portugal, it, it re really, really doesn't happen that much that way. You know, you can't really make a living out of being an opera singer by living in Portugal, you know, at oh, the time. Huh. So, but in Paris is a whole different story. So it kind of opened my mind to that. And I said, oh, this is interesting. And 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 it changed my perception um, uh, of a lot of things. But um, it was, again, it was that challenge of doing something different that actually went better than I expected, to be honest, at the time. My French was not very good at the time. I had to study in French the whole year and do my exams in French and my oral exams in French. Easy, yeah. So it was a big challenge, big challenge. But I was still young. I could adapt. I had studied French at school, in high school. So with a lot of work, yeah. I made it happen. No, but think about it. I mean, by then you only speak fluently three language, right? Portuguese, English, and then now French. And, and, and Spanish, because it's Spanish is close to Portuguese, and I had always spoken it since I was a child. I, but but the fact that you had to learn something again and be expert on it, the fact that you had to take a language and take an exam on it, you know what I mean? So it was not easy. I have yeah. to tell you, it was not easy. But okay, done. Yeah. But, I mean, <laughs> the thing about that is, I don't know, you tell me, is that how you started your media or your your business, got into entertainment or got into, how does being France have lead you to your career in that sense? Well, when I lived in France, I, I understood that it was viable to have a career in opera which was my biggest passion. 
even though I was studying journalism, because when I was in Portugal, when I was choosing my degree in Portugal at the time, you couldn't really have a career in the classical performing arts. Mm -hmm. So what changed in Paris is that I realized you actually can. And it's actually very interesting. So I don't like to, to leave things unfinished. That's something that's that I have. Sometimes I should, but I, I, I don't <laughs> like to leave things unfinished. So I went back to London. I finished a degree that I was doing. I finished my uh, journalism degree. And then I decided I wanted to do a master's in opera. So, so I, that's... I heard you sing, so... <laughs> I, was I heard you sing beautiful voice. I, I mean, it is amazing, yes. So that's, that's, it was actually, you're right. It was the Paris uh, stay that unexpectedly opened me up to the possibility of, oh, actually, this is something that that could be done. And so that's when I uh, followed with a master's in opera. And then do you perform as an opera singer or did you pursue that and take that into something else? So um, I had worked as a professional opera singer when I was in Paris because I was taking opera lessons. And then my teacher at the time um, who had been a first tenor in the Paris opera he wow. had created a company and he invited me to be part of that company. So I was actually working with them at the time. Um, and I was 19. So that also fueled me a lot of my uh, willingness to actually pursue the opera and the masters. I wanted to really take it seriously because it was like the planets coming together. This is what I really love. I'm working and I can see I could have a living doing this and it's yeah. going great. And why not? And I was still very young. I was I very young. I know. I, yeah, I, was I said, why not? I can still finish this degree and do something else. Uh -huh. So I finished the degree and then I did the master's in opera. So that's that's how it happened. Mm. Oh my God. And then from there, did you decide to stay or did you move back to Portugal? Uh, what was your next chapter in your life? So then what happened was when I was finishing the master's, I was getting ready. I finished the master's in opera and then I was getting ready for this big singing competition in Germany. Mm -hmm. And I was getting ready with my uh, a French uh, singing teacher. Um, and then I was working so hard and trying to prepare so hard that I started just, I believe three weeks before the competition, I realized I had nodules in my vocal cords and yeah. that changed everything. So yeah. when when, yeah. I, uh -huh. uh, when that happened, something really changed because I couldn't go to the competition anymore. And then, so that would change. That devastated or how you took that news? Completely devastated, but I was working so hard and I remember I was practicing in the piano and then I the high notes were starting to come with air. So they were not going, you know, they were not spot, spot on. They were, there was air coming out, which means that there is uh, a node in your cords. Mm -hmm. So I went to, I actually flew to Paris to uh, meet with one of the biggest ENTs that specialized in opera singers. Mm -hmm. and, and he told me, you can either do surgery 
you can never go to the competition, but you can either do surgery and it, you'll be okay in a month or, um, or you wait for the notes to regress. And he advised me and I decided also, I agreed with him 100% not to do the operation because then that could alter the morphology of the cord. So I decided to just wait, not do um, anything, have stopped singing for a while and not speak only the bare minimum to see if my vocal cords would come back to normal. But this is a very lengthy process. And so this is a mo moment that my life also changes and because I couldn't pursue what I wanted to pursue at the time because I had to wait and do my therapy and, and, and so it didn't happen. And so that's the story. And so I come back to journalism. That's where my career then in my early 20s started uh, on, on television. Um, and during that time, I, I was all the money I earned. I remember I would just uh, spend it going for the doctors and this for the vocal course to come back to normal. Because you still yeah. thinking you that's something you want to go back to, right? Because that was still your dream at that time. At that time, absolutely. Yes. At the time, absolutely. I was doing uh, TV thinking that this is the greatest way to get the funds to fund my healing in the vocal but you world. are so successful in tv as a reporter you know so but you... this, this was all before that okay. so it started and then and then life changed uh but i always had you know and then of course then i i missed the competition and then i missed a lot of the career years in opera and and I still sing, the The work was done, the therapy was done, the chords are normal. I actually think the chords are better, the vocal chords are stronger now than before. But also I realized, you know, life is a river. Sometimes it has turns that you don't expect. I'd never expected this, especially because I was so eager. And maybe that was the problem. You know, sometimes when you are so eager, <laughs> it doesn't happen. Uh -huh. But I don't know. I still, I still don't know exactly what the lesson was, but, um, but the river went another way. And so I just had to embrace it the way it went. But maybe that's the river turn to lead you to LA and then be on the Hollywood Foreign Press. You know, like I always feel like any, everything that happened, there's a reason. And, and sometimes it's, and a lot of time I would say is better than what you expected. Right. I mean, I would have met you, I would have, you know, so for my own selfish reason, it's like, I would admit you if that didn't happen, you know, so. Yeah. Yeah. Me coming to LA, which ended up being my favorite city in the whole world, me coming to LA was because of this problem. It's true. It's true uh, because uh, I heard, what what makes you to pick LA the first place? You know, it was, it was it was not a choice. It was just because it was the so I so what happened was I then I was devastated with the news of the vocal cords, absolutely devastated. Wow. And and then what happened was that um, there was my mother saw in a newspaper this cattle call 
for uh, a reporter for national TV in Portugal that was actually opening a cable channel in Porto. So like a branch, a news branch. Um, and then why wouldn't I go? And I said, okay, you know, at the time I had, you know, I was lost, right? Yeah. So I said, okay. And I had a, a journalism degree. So again, I went to what I had done in London and Paris. And then I said, why not? So I, I, I remember this perfectly. I arrived, there was a big line of people, beautiful women, like models all around me. I said, what am I doing here? And and I remember I went in for the casting. It was quite a, a tough casting. They, they asked you to read some texts with some big names to see if you were kind of familiar with them. And then they asked you to interview a very famous singer in Porto, in Portugal. Then they they we had some camera tests. There was a lot of people in that casting. And I said, I, I, I mean, I did it. And I, I actually remember thinking, I'm never going to get this. So I was so relaxed. And believe it or not, I got it. I got the job. I couldn't believe it. And so that's when it started. And then Portugal, soon after that, was hosting the 2004 Euro Championship, the soccer championship. Oh, yeah. Uh -huh. And they needed someone to go to, they needed someone on national TV which was, as I said, connected to the news branch I was working at, um, to that spoke several languages to do the lives with the players yeah. and do it. And that's when I moved to national TV. And then from then, from there, I they started putting me, um, uh, they started putting me in a position where I would have to do the interviews with everyone that was a foreigner. So. Yeah when cinema comes in so I'm the one that's sent to you know to the, the cinema junkets in London in Paris in Madrid in Rome so I was always traveling and doing all this this Hollywood uh cinema interviews all over the world and so that's how it started but then I wanted I was traveling so much at the time and I needed some stability geographical stability to actually heal the vocal cords because i needed everyday work be an opera singer yeah okay yeah. so um so at the time i was uh doing well on television i, I had already done a lot of work for the channel yeah. and i said i said uh would you mind if I go to a place where I can actually stay and do the same job, but I don't have to travel almost every day. Mm. And, and they allowed, they, we, we came to an agreement where they said, okay. And I said, the only place I could do this is Los Angeles. Oh so, my they God. Said, okay. so I went to Los Angeles for a year. That and was the agreement. When you first arrived, did you you just did you just know this is the city I love I had I had come to already I had traveled to LA a few times to do this to do some oh, reporting, cinema reporting uh in Los Angeles so I had already known Los Angeles uh -huh. but I remember I had no credit history in the U.S. I had nothing so it was an adventure that's a whole adventure in itself but when I got there it was it was interesting because uh I said okay I have a year to work on on my voice, I'm doing my job, mm -hmm. and this is what's allowing me to be here. But it ended up being the funnest year ever. And so I have a huge connection to Los Angeles, never thought I would have, but I did. And I found out 
um, that for some reason that step also was meant to be. My gosh, I mean, it's your story. I mean, see, do you know what I mean? It's like life is like a river. Like you just- It's a river. You never know. Who no. knows? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but then, then you come to LA, then what made you decide to get into Hollywood Foreign Press? I mean, do you, do you know what I mean? Like, how was that all came due? So after I came to Los Angeles, I was that year as a, I, I came to Los Angeles as a, RTP, which is the channel in Portugal I used to work at. So I was their cinema correspondent in Los Angeles. So that was my title. So I came with um, with a foreign correspondent visa to Los Angeles. I stayed for a year. That was the deal. And then come back home. I had, as I said, a lot of fun. I did, I did a lot of work in Los Angeles. That went very well. <clears throat> And I also started to really uh, be very interested in how the Hollywood, how Hollywood as show business works. Oh, okay. Um, so I was very, <clears throat> I was very, um, I was, I was doing classes of everything. I remember I was doing acting classes, uh, production classes, okay. uh, everything you can imagine. I was very much fascinated with how the whole Hollywood machine worked. Mm -hmm. And I became quite knowledgeable about it. So when I came back to Portugal, as agreed, um, I stayed in the country for a few months. And then I decided I wanted to go back to um, I wanted to go back to L.A., but how? Because I there was I had no visa to work in L.A. So how could I make money? So the only, that's when I quit the channel, open a company and they became my first clients because I pitched them a show, a cinema show weekly where I would do a half an hour documentary on how Hollywood works for Portuguese television. And they accepted. And that's how I end up in L.A., being able that's to be there smart, Barbara, like selling hollywood that's that's how that's what allowed me to say because i had no visa at the time i had no visa to work in los angeles i was not a citizen so um so that's how i stayed and um and then of course then i got i took care of the citizenship and all of that um and then and then I did it for several years. Uh, and that was my life for several years. A lot of work and always very connected to everything that was going on Hollywood-wise. I was always working with the studios and doing all the coverage for the movies, but also finding stories around show business that could actually show the audience how Hollywood actually works. Wow. So how do you thought about doing Hollywood Foreign Press? Or okay, so then, mm -hmm. then when, so I was doing my show and then I, I remember I felt like I had hit a, a ceiling and after years of producing the show from Los Angeles, I decided to make one of my dreams come true, mm -hmm. which was to travel the world with no agenda. And I did it. I thought I was going to do it for a year. That was the plan. Mm -hmm. And and then um, uh, I ended up doing it for uh, three years. 
I still came to LA once in a while to do some uh, interviews and I was also connected, but I was still, I was at the time not really producing the show. Mm -hmm. I was just doing segments that then they would be put in the news or in other shows in, in Portugal. But um, I did it for three years and it was uh, one of the most amazing time of my life because for me, that was my biggest university. It was to go to a place and then stay for however long I felt I should stay and then really, you know, drink from the culture and, and, and embrace the culture. And so that was very interesting. I, I spent a few months in Indonesia, in China, in Japan, in Colombia. So that was, it was, a, it, honestly, in my opinion, my biggest university. So after traveling for, for that amount of time, uh, what I call really slow travel at the time, um, I was really eager to uh, embrace. I think I really missed the, the 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 working environment. I really missed the challenge. I really missed the action. Really? I missed it. Uh -huh. I did. I missed it. And I realized because it's it's I, there is something that I didn't talk to you about, which I think it's interesting. I realized when when before I started my show in Portugal, I lived for a year in New York and I did some work at the United Nations because I had to wait for uh, almost a year for the um, for the. Um, so hang on a second. So how was it? So. After I, after I come to, I go to Portugal and then I come back to the U.S. with a contract that I was going to do a TV show no. with our TV. And then I realize that I have, I we had to wait for a while for the show to get into the 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 network schedule, oh. so I couldn't just do it straight away. So that's the year I live in New York. And I work for the UN and I do some diplomatic work. And I remember at that time thinking that um, I felt that there was there you could make a bigger difference in Hollywood with the movies than there. Yeah. Um, considering, uh, yeah, there was the, there was this feeling. And that's when I actually that was actually a very important point also, because even though I loved it. And ah, because you were in the UN, the United Nation would have a lot of pull making difference, but the Hawks yes. actually have more effective way of making changes. That was my perception, yes. Mm -hmm. Considering all the meetings I was at and considering all the work that I was uh seeing being done around me and meeting a lot of people that were actually very influential at the organization uh i realized it's very powerful there there are series about that it is true that you know how they're saying all the powerful people are in the hollywood so yeah i realized that actually hollywood uh, was extremely impactful and then having had an experience outside of that industry made me realize even more the power 
uh, Hollywood has. That's so a great, it, great it made me embrace Hollywood with an even bigger enthusiasm. So when I do the traveling and all that stuff and I come back to Los Angeles, I also feel very privileged to have been given uh, an entrance into that world. And I feel like really embracing it. And so there was something I hadn't done. And, and at the time was to, I hadn't been part of the Hollywood Farm Press, which I had been foreign press, but I had not been a part of the Hollywood Farm Press, which is an association that uh, responsible for the Golden Globe Awards. And basically what it is, it's a group of foreign correspondents that work for a prominent outlets in their own countries of origin. And then they come to LA. So they are um, a correspondent in Los Angeles and they report about cinema to their countries. And at the time it was quite a, a, a it was not easy to get in. You had to have a lot of credentials. You had to have shown a lot of work. You had to have sponsors and you were going to be put through an election process. So I did the I did the whole thing, put everything together, got to the sponsors, got to an election, made it. And that's how I got into the Hollywood Foreign Press and then became a jury for the Golden Globes um, about, it was about six or seven years ago that this happened. And how and, did you come there as a member into board director? I mean, how that even move? I mean, you just moving fast, like, is... Well, I I was I was there. I was a member for a few years, and then I uh, th there was an election to the board of directors, and I was um, I was from I felt that there was kind of a support from some colleagues, and some colleagues suggested, "Why don't you do it?" And that's what happened, and I did it, got in, and yeah. So I I have been serving in the board of directors for the last few years. And so it has been interesting because it has also given me, again, another and deeper and interesting perception on how show business works, which has been quite a journey, actually. So it's, it's just amazing how when things happen, even though at that moment, it sounds devastating for you. And then it, and then, and then it was because that was something you thought you wanted to do, but somehow it always direct you to even better, you know, um, better, it's, it's almost like when one door closed, another door open. just listen to your story, do your life, leaving your house in 70, pick the worst room and going to France, you know, realize you can make a living Alice being a, a opera singer and then last your, your your voice or you have to do healing and it's just it's just how it really is an example many many examples over and over again how when one door is shut down and there's another door open but then I think the main part of it is like during those time even when it's down somehow you managing it you didn't just say okay crap this is this is not what I expected this is the worst can happen to me I give up but you, you did it because Everything you tell me so far, when that happened, you find something. You like, okay, I can do this right now. And then I think it really started with, I don't know, is when you were leaving when you were 17 and having the worst moment and saying, you don't need much to be happy. And if you truly find your joy or purpose, 
you 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 well it maybe just you Bob because I I know you well I mean I don't know most people have the mentality as you do and so focused and know exactly what you want and stick with it you know what I mean and not giving up that's the thing yeah you make it sound it's easy but it's not I mean I had I think there were painful moments there were hard moments there were hard choices to make but I think um you're right about something it's and I actually never thought about this but it's true I've realized early enough that it didn't take much to be really happy if you had some essential things within that were that you made sure were checked mm. now uh i think that not we don't have that all the time as i said I, it's it's really i think a, a big privilege to know what you want even myself i sometimes i don't know what I want. It's hard. It's a blessing when you do. All I say is when you do, you absolutely should go for it with no hesitation. Mm -hmm. But I think that the, the realizing the simplicity of it all when you do, it gives you no fear. And I think it's the no fear factor that actually allows you to take a leap. And I think that's, that's the, the adventure of life. As long as you have that spark to continue to do that, I think life is interesting or could be interesting, even though it has a lot of, of course, ups and downs for everybody and a lot of tough phases. But I think it's the no fear. It's the courage. I mean, I always ask my podcast guests, like, what would be the advice to give to the younger self of you, you know, if you knew what you knew now, what would you tell the younger self of you? Or what would you tell the other young women? But I feel like our conversation covers so much that is so deep, even for someone like, we've been best friend forever, but I'm still learning so much through this conversation. It's such a great reminder, but what would, your, what would you give your younger self advice with the knowledge you have today? Eat less chocolate, you yeah. know? <laughs> um, I don't know. I think uh, I, I don't know, but I would say, I would say that I, I would tell my, I would remind myself that it's better to just, uh, if you have a desire to do something, just go for it. And even if I think it's better to live with the pain of trying and failing that with the pain of never trying. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's what I, that's how I want to also remind myself of every day. I think it's better. It's more bearable to live with the pain of having tried and failed than not having tried at all. Yeah. And what I found is that even in the times I failed, um, I think the journey uh, that took me to the failure, it's actually the best memories I have now. Really? So, so it's always something, you know, 
trying always makes your life memorable, I think. So always try what you desire, regardless of the outcome. That's what I would say. Well, that's a great reminder. And then it's a good <laughs> for me also, and then for everybody who's listening. So thank you, Barbara. Thank you so much. Thank you, the thank you so much. I can't wait to see you soon. Thank you, Evie. Good to talk to you. Have a wonderful day. And um, my regards to LA. Yes. <laughs> I'll be back soon. I'll be back soon to my LA home. I can't home. wait to see you. <laughs>